So about a year and a half ago, I went on a camping trip with a couple of friends in northwest Arkansas, which is a really beautiful part of our country if you haven't been to that area. Lots of great hiking and camping and outdoors. And so on one of the days that we were there, we went on a long hike that took us downhill to some really beautiful waterfalls. But you know about the, the problem about going downhill, right? Yeah, eventually you have to come back up. And so after a late lunch, we began making our way up the hill, and it was painful, and it was hard, and it was humbling, and we were doing all kinds of things. We were crisscrossing and doing switchbacks and um, taking breaks and planning evacuation plans just in case um, we needed assistance getting out. And on the way up, we ran into a Boy Scout troop that had some heavy packs on, and there were about 15 kids and their leaders, and it was obvious they'd been out longer than us and were making their way back up to the campsite. So when we caught up to them, they stepped out of the way, and we exchanged greetings and sympathies, and then we kept going past them. And we were doing that thing, you know, what you do where you, like, pretend you're not heavy breathing and you're, you know, it's like a piece of cake. Like, have a good time, Boy Scouts. We'll see you later. And uh, so we get up a little bit ahead, and then, of course, we have to take a break. Um, and they catch back up to us because they hadn't taken a break. They had methodically and patiently made their way up to up the mountain or the hill and uh, caught up with us. So them being good Boy Scouts, when they got to us, they um, taught us this formation they had called the caterpillar formation. And so basically in a caterpillar formation, you have a first person in line who leads, and they set a very steady pace, and everyone follows that pace up the mountain. And then after they go so far, the first person in that line steps off to the side and takes a break while the rest of the group goes past them. And when the last person passes, this person who is rested now steps into the line and follows along. And they just keep doing this the whole way until they reach their destination. Very, very smart plan. And so, again, being good Boy Scouts, they invited us to join in on their caterpillar. I had zero interest in doing this. But my two friends that were with me enthusiastically agreed before I could politely decline. And so what were we to do? I got in the formation and I shot them evil looks for a long time. So we merged into the caterpillar line and eventually it was my turn to lead. So I get to the front and I keep the pace. And I, I keep the pace. And I keep going. And eventually I hear this sweet Boy Scout behind me, ma'am, we probably need to stop. So I stopped and I looked back and the caterpillar was broken and gasping for air. Now mind you, I was too, but my pride was hurting more than my leg muscles and so I just was pushing through. But now, not only was my body in pain, but my spirit was in pain as well. I, I still felt anger at being forced to match my steps and my rhythm to another, even though their plan was infinitely better than mine. Um, but now my spirit hurt because I basically was a schmuck and damaged the caterpillar and a group of children, mostly children. So when we did finally get to the top and I was still not in a great mood, we did exchange thank yous and went on our separate ways. Um, and so I want to say this morning to the Boy Scout troop that was hiking in White Rock Mountain, Arkansas, May 2018, I'm so sorry and thank you for the lesson that you taught me that day. Now, I'm going to be really honest if you haven't picked up. Submitting is difficult for me. Really difficult for me. Amen. <laughs> and I imagine, like Tony, you also struggle with this as well. We all face similar struggles with yielding 
to others, whether it's other people or to God or a healthy living plan from our doctor or a group of sweet Boy Scouts. To submit means to accept or to yield to a superior or another authority or person. And so does anyone like to do this? I mean, we're wired to not submit. It is our default setting to be self-oriented and self-focused, self-protective. And if you need proof of this, I want you to think about the last time you were a part of a group photo. And then when that photo's down, done, you all look at the photo on the camera, or the phone, let's be honest, on the phone, and who is the first person that you look at? You, probably, if you're like me. And you can judge the entire worth of that photo based on how you look. I mean, your friends could have their mouths open and their eyes closed, and, you're, and you look good, and that's the one that you're posting. Yeah, it's true. So not only are we wired to be self-focused, we live in a self-help, self-fulfillment, self-empowerment, self-promotion age, right? I mean, that is the message of our culture. Media, advertisement, entertainment, books. Here's what we hear. You can do it, and you don't need anyone else. You can't trust anyone but yourself. You don't want to owe anything to anyone. And for, for everything, avoid vulnerability. These are the messages that we hear. That is the message of our culture. And it just reinforces the lies that we already tell ourselves. The late musician, Rich Mullins, wrote these lyrics in his song, Hold, Hold Me, Jesus. Surrender don't come natural to me. I'd rather fight you for something I don't really want than to take what you give that I need. I'd rather fight you, God, for something I don't really want than to take what you give that I need. Surrender don't come natural to us. Submission is not intuitive for us. Now, before I go any further, I want to pause and issue a caution, all right? All spiritual disciplines have the potential to become destructive if misused, but submission especially so. In fact, the word itself can be triggering for those who've experienced abusive submissive relationships, whether in work or church or relationships of any kind. And so I want to acknowledge that this morning and say that we are not talking about that kind of uh, submission. We're not talking about abuse of submission. We're not condoning it. Submit is my word for 2019, but not after a lot of thought about all the damage and baggage that goes along with that word. It's important for us to be very clear about the limits of submission. The limits of this spiritual discipline or practice are at the points at which it is destructive, when it is not mutual, and when the love of God is not the foundation nor the means by which submission is practiced. These limits aren't always easy to define because human relationships are messy and we're human. But we must proceed with trusting that the Holy Spirit will guide us and that we surround ourselves with people who will help us identify when submission is not healthy. But healthy submission is something that God calls us to live out. So I want us to talk this morning about the gift of submission. And it took me a long time to see it that way. I want us to read and reflect on Jesus' words in Matthew chapter 11 as he's talking with folks um, in verses 28 through through 30. Come to me, all you that are weary and are carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, 
and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Now, even though many of us don't live where yokes are present any longer, many of us know what a yoke is, or we've seen pictures of it, or in movies. It is often a heavy bar made out of wood or iron that holds two horses or oxen together so that they can pull a load or plow a field in unison. We don't see the contraptions much today, but generally we tend to always think that that helps distribute the weight evenly. But what Jesus is trying to communicate is something entirely different. The wooden cross piece bound to the necks of a pair of oxen was also used to train a younger ox. So thus, when Jesus says, learn from me, it has connotations of a younger ox, a novice ox, being matched up or yoked to an older ox to teach it to walk in pace, to teach it to be obedient in every step, and to listen to the farmer's commands. The size of the hole for each neck, for each ox around their neck was different. The older ox had a very tight, constricting hole, snugly positioned to its neck to allow it to carry the brunt of the weight. And while the novice ox, the younger ox, enjoyed less constriction, had a little bit room to move, but couldn't escape, and this design allowed it to not have to bear much of the weight at all. The purpose of this was training for simply for the younger ox to learn how to walk. Jesus is saying, be yoked to me and learn to walk. I will carry the weight. I will teach you to walk in a way that brings life and rest to your weary spirit. We can do this together. See, living under the yoke of Christ is an invitation, not an imposition. The yoke is not a metaphor for hard labor, but a symbol of partnership where you don't have to pull your own weight. You can't pull your own weight. I mean, that's beautiful, isn't it? That is discipleship. So then why do I still resist it? Why do I still always fight to be yoked to Christ? As I said, submit is my word for the year. I do words for the year rather than resolutions because I have less chance of failing, to be honest. All right? Um, And the reason I chose this word, and it was a long battle, and I will tell you, I'll be honest, this year it's been a little bit of a pain in the rear because it's tough. It is really tough. It's been an ongoing fight to surrender my will and my agenda to God's. It's been uncomfortable to experience the vulnerability of giving control of my life to another. And even though I know in my mind that God is absolutely trustworthy, I struggle to live that trust out, which is really where it matters. It's been messy and full of missteps, but also a lot of beautiful moments too. So why would I choose this word for my word for the year? Well, as much as I know I hate to submit, I also know that I'm desperate for the freedom that comes on the other side. Dallas Willard defines submission as abandoning outcomes to God. And according to Bill, author Bill Gaultier, submission is letting go of trying to. It's letting go of trying to make things happen, even with God. Letting go of getting people to like you or to think well of you. Letting go of getting people or God onto your agenda. Letting go of ensuring that you love or that you matter based on others. And these are the very things that I want freedom from in my life. I am so tired of hustling for my worth. I'm so done with living by the expectations of others or myself. We are horrible masters, never satisfied, never pleased. 
and I'm exhausted trying to control outcomes. Do you also long for freedom? Are you tired of fear and scarcity being the themes of your life? Are you tired of the voice within that shouts our failures and whispers a relentless theme of scarcity? You don't have enough, there isn't enough, you'll never be enough. Here's the thing, change in life usually only happens when we can no longer set, stand where we're at. Okay? We can no longer tolerate where we currently are in life. And until we can no longer stand it, we'll put up with a lot and settle for less. So the promise of Christ is that being yoked to him, accepting the invitation to let Christ lead our lives, submitting to his rhythm and his pace and his steps will bring us the freedom and rest that we so desperately desire. So how do we practice the spiritual discipline of submission? As all spiritual practices, it's a heart thing, an internal, behavior, internal belief position that changes external behaviors. And so we start with the position of trust and faith. Faith, trust, is the key that unlocks our readiness to receive God's sufficiency in our lives. And faith simply means to trust. Do I trust that God is who he says he is and God will do what he says he will do? You see, I love to hammock. I love to hammock. In fact, this afternoon before winter comes back tomorrow, I may go and do that. But my first time I tried a hammock is a perfect picture of my trust issues. So my friend, we were camping again, and my friend had been napping in it for one or two hours, and then was like, hey, you want to give it a try? And even seeing her in it for like an hour or two and nothing happening, I still did not trust that it would hold me or not flip me up on side the, down into the ground. So I backed into it really slowly, testing it as you go. You're like, okay, yeah, is it still holding me? Is it still holding me? I mean, my feet are taking most of the way here. Until finally I sat all the way down, but I was anything but relaxed, right? I was wavering between two thoughts the whole time. Like, this is going to break. It won't hold me. It held my friend. No problem. It's going to flip me upside down. I'm going to fall to the ground. You're only eight inches off the ground. You're not going to die. All right? <laughs> so just back and forth with all this trust and stuff about it. Now I leap in and out of my hammock. I mean, I share it with other people. It's, I don't worry about it. I'm 95% confident in my hammock. 95%. Could it fall? Yes. That is where this hammock analogy falls short. You're welcome. All right? It could. It could. Learning to trust God is very similar to this. Very similar. It is growing into trust. It is reminding ourselves why God can be trusted. It is reminding ourselves of how God has been at work in others' lives, and he is also at work in mine. It's learning to trust. Can God be trusted? If I'm going to submit to him, if I'm going to be yoked with him, I have to answer this question for myself. And I need to remind myself of it when things get hard and fear rises up. Can God be trusted? I look at scripture and I say, yes, he can. I look at my own life in the past and I say, yes, God can. He's been faithful. I look at your lives and the lives of others and I see where God has been at work and I'm like, yes, God can be trusted. My gut and everything I know to be true says God is trustworthy, faithful, and good. And here's the beautiful thing, my friends. If you want to believe, then you have what you need to believe more. Only some ounce of trust, even the size of a mustard seed, 
would lead you to ask God to help you to believe. And God can work with that. It's okay to slowly sink your rear into trusting God. And then one day you'll find yourself leaping into the hammock of faith, resting in a faith of God's sufficiency in your life. Mark 9.23 says, If you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. And this is also why we thank God for hard times, difficult journeys in our lives. Because they, more than anything, teach us about God's trustworthiness. It's what Dallas Willard calls a faith of desperation. When you are betrayed, abandoned, scandalized, or lied about, when you're sick with a fatal disease, when your finances go down the drain, when you see someone you love walk through hell, that is when you see God's trustworthiness and faithfulness to you. And when you have nowhere else to go but to turn except to God, and you turn to him, your faith of desperation will meet the fullness of God. And you'll taste the life without lack that comes when you discover the depths of faith of sufficiency in God. So trust helps us yoke ourselves to God to know this is safe and good. An important part of submission is death to self. St. Francis said, Above all of the grace and the gifts that Christ gives to his beloved is that of overcoming self. Grace of all gifts is overcoming self. It's important to note the difference between death to self and death of self. God isn't calling you to get rid of yourself. God formed you with unique gifts and personalities, and the world needs you to show up with all of that. God gave us desires which are needed and great motivators. They just make horrible masters. And to live in the flesh, as Paul writes, is simply a matter of putting our desires in top priority, the ultimate priority or position in our lives. What we want goes. It's a matter of trust. We trust ourselves more than we trust God. We are invited to die to self and to put God in the ultimate position in our lives. Galatians 2.20 says this, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. I have been crucified with Christ, not I have crucified myself. Dallas Willard writes that crucifixion is a very interesting thing. It's hard to do by yourself. In fact, it's impossible. You might be able to get one hand to the cross, but what are you going to do with the other one? The crucifixion of self is a cooperative affair between us and the Lord. We cannot die to self without the help of God's grace, for only God can satisfy our ultimate desire and can convince our hearts that when we die to self, new life will come. Our responsibility is to understand what death to self is and to understand that we cannot live in the true sufficiency of God without accepting it, without recognizing it and saying, Lord, help me receive this gift, and then to practice it. So here's a question. When was the last time you gave up control of something? Doesn't count if someone took it from you, okay? When did you last willingly give up control of something in your life? When was the last time you gave up something that was your right so that someone else would benefit? Now, I think about this almost every day I drive here to work into our parking lot. And this is confession. You're probably going to hold me accountable, which is fine. I believe that it is the Spirit giving me opportunities to die to self each time because I asked her to do that at the beginning of this year. Do I park in the spot closest to my door? Or do I park somewhere else and allow that for other people? 
Every day, that's an opportunity for me to die to self. And I will say to you this morning, I take that opportunity maybe 50% of the time. Five zero, all right? Some days I drive in and I park in the spot and I say, Lord, not today. <laughs> nope, not doing it. And some days I park in another spot and I say, fine, are you happy? Which I'm pretty sure is not the attitude God is going for either. And then there's some days I park with, away with the right attitude and I receive the blessing that comes from knowing I don't have to have my own way. I receive the blessing of knowing that I am not enslaved to my wants and desires. When we give up the smaller everyday things, we are training for times of greater sacrifice and submission. Trusting God and dying to self are important ways to live out the spiritual practice of submission, of abandoning outcomes to God, of trusting him with our life. This practice helps us set our minds on things above so that God can do the work of transforming us into the likeness of Christ and setting us free from the tyranny of self. As we leave, I want you to think of these three questions this week, as I will be doing as well. The first one is, what is a current control issue in your life? I think we have those questions for them to see up as well. What is a current control issue in your life? Something that you struggle with, that you know is owning you. I mean, maybe it's just you in general, but maybe there's something else that you can identify. What keeps you from trusting in God? What keeps you from jumping in the hammock of faith, right? What is it that you think might not happen? What do, you th what do you think God might do or how he might fail you? What is that? And the last one, how can we practice healthy submission in our ordinary lives to help God grow us in the spiritual practice of submission? How in our daily coming and going, our ordinary life, can we die to self so that we say yes to Christ Die to self so we say yes to freedom. Let's pray together. God, you are so faithful and so good to us. We thank you for the gift of submission. The invitation to be set free from the burden of self-centeredness. We want to trust you wholeheartedly, God. Not just in our thoughts, but in our actions as well. And so we ask you to help us surrender. Grow in us a desire, God, to yoke ourselves to you, to walk with you, to, to watch how Christ lived and to learn so that we might experience true rest found only in you. God, grant us opportunities each day to die to self and then give us the courage and the awareness to see it, to recognize it, and to say yes. We thank you, God, for loving us, for pursuing us, for being relentless and restoring and setting us free from the things that are life-taking rather than life-giving, including our agendas. And into your trustworthy hands we surrender all. Amen.